I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. Musical Universe is a U.S.-based technology company that combines music, science, and psychology to advance understanding about the power of music and the link between musical tastes and personality. Musical Universe has been called a 23andMe for music, and its data has been used by research teams from top institutions, including Cambridge University, Columbia University, and Oxford University, to advance knowledge within and outside the field of music. Joining me today from Jerusalem is Musical Universe founder, Dr. David Greenberg. Dr. Greenberg is a social neuroscientist, psychologist, and musician. He received his PhD in psychology from Cambridge University and has master's degrees from Cambridge and City University of New York. His research has been published in numerous journals and has been reported on by media, including CNN, BBC, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Dr. Greenberg. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, David, it's always fascinating to hear the story of a genesis, the story of how something came to be. Can you tell us about how and when Musical Universe began? It began in 2015, formally, but um, it really began uh, much earlier than that. Um, when I was a little kid, um, when I was three years old, my grandfather had given me a toy musical box where if you press different buttons, it would make different noises and sounds and music. And I loved this box so much. I just sounded so fascinating. And I was so curious about the sounds and where they were coming from and how they were being made that I broke the box. Oh, and, <laughs> to try to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. And so he had to make another one that um, he called was uh, David Proof. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I couldn't, uh, op- I, I, I didn't break that one. <laughs> but um, that's kind of a metaphor for what I've been doing my whole life. And the goals that I've kind of been directing and the mission that I've been on um, to really understand music and to increase knowledge. And that's where Musical Universe is birthed from, is to help to advance our understanding of why people use music, how people use music, and ultimately how it can improve lives. And Musical Universe, you said, began in 2015. Was there a story behind that? Yeah, well, what happened was is there was a publication that came out that um, I led with um, several colleagues at Cambridge University, and we thought it was a very nice publication, and we thought that it might attract some media attention, but it, I didn't anticipate that it would get the type of traction that it ultimately did. Mm-hmm. And within just 24 hours of its publication, I was getting calls from top news outlets and media outlets wanting to interview me Mm. um, and to be on radio and television, which I hadn't really anticipated. Mm. And uh, there was one journalist from the Wall Street Journal who wanted me to create a platform where his readers could take the test themselves. 
And so I created it and it was largely successful. And I decided then to grow it into a much larger platform. And when you say the test, which test are you talking about? So it's a series of tests, uh, psychological tests and musical preference tests. So over the course of the five years, there's been dozens and dozens of different tests that people have been able to take, mainly that provide feedback about their personality and musical listening styles and engagement. One of the ones that have been on there for the whole time has been about personality traits and about musical preferences, where people will listen to uh, 15 second audio excerpts and they just indicate their preference for each one. And afterwards there is a full report that comes back that indicates the user's personality traits as well as their musical preferences. And now we can provide different types of recommendations, um, such as knowing the best way to learn music, whether it's by ear or by theory or which instruments are most linked in a um, matching of their personality traits. And so there's a whole host of things that we're able to now predict. Okay. And the personality traits, you use the big five, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Tell us just a little bit about those. Some of them are kind of obvious, but some not so much. Yep. So I think that most listeners are probably most familiar with the Myers-Briggs test um, Mm -hmm. that are based off of Jungian types. The secret that no one really talks about is that statistically and psychometrically, we've known for several decades that there's not such a statistical foundation for those types. And so that's pretty much why they're used mainly in occupational settings, but it's not used in scientific research. And so a validated measure of personality that's been very robust and we know to be very accurate is the big five, which you laid out openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And you can remember those from the acronym OCEAN. And we know that these traits are linked to music in a variety of ways. So those who score high on openness, um, who tend to be really interested in novel ideas and think outside the box, tend to like music that is more complex and sophisticated um, and like jazz, for example. Mm. Um, And extroversion is self-explanatory. Agreeableness versus disagreeableness is also um, more self-explanatory. Conscientiousness has to do with order and like a highly conscientious person will have a very neat workspace and their rooms if you were to look at their bedroom and their living room is probably very neat Mm -hmm. where someone low on conscientiousness is the clothes and food is probably (laughs) piled in the the yeah i thought it was interesting when i was looking through the information on your site that you noted that jazz lovers tend to be high on openness and low on conscientiousness, which I thought, oh, that's interesting. And it kind of makes sense. It's kind of funny because I was the exact opposite. I was low on openness and high on conscientiousness. And I thought, well, I guess that explains why I just marvel when I watch jazz players at work. It's like, (laughs) wow, how do they do that? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, myself, so I'm a jazz musician Mm -hmm. uh, by training. And it, when I saw these results on the one hand i I know how diligently jazz musicians practice and Mm. how um, conscientious they can be at the same time i've always i think probably 
the majority of jazz shows I've been to, I've always started late because the musicians are running late. Uh, <laughs> not the case with like a classical concert where it's you're no, if it starts at eight o'clock, it's starting at eight o'clock. <laughs> right. And of course, the music and the whole practice model is so different for classical music, where every note and every dynamic sign is right there written out by the composer, and you're following the lead of the conductor at all times. So, so different than the improvising that goes on in a jazz concert. Exactly. Well, some of the music characteristics that you measure, I love how this follows an acronym too of music, mellow unpretentious, sophisticated, intense, contemporary. Tell us a little bit about those different categories of musical characteristics. Yeah, these categories were born out of a frustration of using a genre-based approach to understanding Mm. preferences, because especially nowadays, uh, it's pretty safe to say that genres are out um, and styles and features are in where we're not using genres so much to really categorize music. And the music model, which you just laid out, was developed um, initially by my PhD supervisor at Cambridge, Jason Renfro, um, who was spearheading this approach to move away from genres. And he kind of let me run as far as I wanted with it. And so these five dimensions describe higher classifications of different styles Uh, So mellow music is more soft and sensual and um, romantic, whereas unpretentious describes music that's more easygoing, kind of where you would hear it in country and bluegrass and blues. Mm -hmm. Sophisticated is your jazz and classical types of styles. Intense music is heavy metal, rock genres, and intense, more harsh and aggressive uh, attributes in the music, whereas contemporary is more pop and um, energetic and upbeat type of uh, styles. And Mm -hmm. what's amazing about these five dimensions is that not only do they span across all of these different genres, but even within genres. And um, this has been published on really beautifully, where you see that you can have mellow jazz and sophisticated jazz and intense jazz Mm. and contemporary jazz and same thing with rock music. Sure. So when you say that we're moving away from genres, is that mostly from a research perspective or is that kind of across the board? Because I I see what you're saying about how you could have jazz music that's mellow. You could have jazz music that's sophisticated, but we still all recognize jazz music when we hear it as a genre true it's it's there are still remnants of genres that are used certainly but in terms of research we're moving certainly away from it and in terms of industry too industry is moving away from genres companies like grace note which are um, leading the way in terms of feature extraction have moved away from genres and are using styles now Um, And that's the same company that provides features for places like Spotify and so many other companies. And so when we see what's determining people's preferences and the delivery system in which people receive their music, particularly in streaming services like Spotify, Apple Music and others, it's mainly based on different types of what you would call mood features or motion features in the music because it's just so much more precise. If you say that a song is um, sad or has lower, slower tempos, 
if um, it's more complex and has more dynamics in it, it's a lot more descriptive than saying that music is within the classical genre because in the classical genre itself, there's just such a vast space Mm -hmm. of artistry and Mm -hmm. music that if I say, hey, I'm a classical music fan, you have an indication of what I like, but you really don't know. Same thing with jazz music. If I say I'm a jazz music, how do you know if I'm a fan of John Coltrane or of Pat Metheny or of smooth jazz. Mm. Uh, it's vastly different. And if sure. you conflate or you confuse John Coltrane with smooth jazz music, especially for a jazz fan, you're in big trouble. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, from people listening to these different snippets of music in the test and answering some other basic questions, you're able to link their musical tastes to their personality types. Talk to us a little bit more about that process. So when you listen, when you gain a window into what somebody likes musically, you're gaining insight into their personality. And so I'll I'll give a brief kind of this metaphor for how this can look like in everyday life. So um, several years ago, I was fortunate to have a a music lesson with one of my um, heroes, uh, musical heroes. His name's Joey Weissenberg. He's a singer and songwriter. And we had the lesson in Philadelphia and I was meeting him and we never really had any conversations before we met for that time. And we kind of greeted each other and immediately without any other discussion, we just started playing music. He was on a bass guitar, mm-hmm. um, electric bass guitar, which he had been playing during that time. And I was playing saxophone and we just freely improvised for about 20 minutes. And um, we, I mean, all over the musical spectrum, like minor, major, the minute we were in all musical modes <laughs> and rhythms. And um, it was really a journey. And after the 20 minutes, um, we were quiet for a little bit. And then the first thing that he said to me was, wow, you, you lived quite a life. <sighs> and yeah, it, wow. it's incredible amazing and he was right I, I knew exactly what he was talking about that from the m- music that I was playing he could he could gain an insight into my whole life story and um so out of that you know the question is well wow, that's after- really an incredible story <laughs> I, I've never yeah. I've never heard that before and that's just that's mm-hmm. incredible it's you know and, and this is it's not um unprecedented there's um stories um within different cultural and religious contexts where the same thing has happened so there's a, a several hundred year old story about the Baal Shem Tov who started Hasidic Judaism and there's the same story where he was uh walking down the street with a bunch of his students and he came across a beggar who was playing the violin and he was just memorized, mesmerized and listened there just for quite a while. And his students said, why are you listening to this beggar? What's so fascinating about this beggar? And he says, when you listen to somebody play music, you, really, you listen to their whole entire life. And he said, I can see the bearings of this person's soul. Mm. And there's, you know, there's something there. There's something intangible when, when you hear somebody play music that you're not just getting the compo- you're getting so much more information from them. You really can, because with music, there's not so much uh, 
you don't have the same defenses as you have like in a conversation or a converse or a discussion with somebody. You can't, there's not as many masks that you mm. could put on. It's much more raw. Mm. And that's the beauty of music is yeah. that not only that, but, and then you can, as a listener, that's where you can really take journeys with the artist and the listener and you, uh, there's there's so much there it's, and that's where you get into a space the space of musical emotion um <laughs> and musical memory and you get into what you would think what you might call like the magic of music but in yeah. the end it's really not magic because there's a very there's something real that's that's happening yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> well it's been said that music is the sound of emotions and so it makes sense that if you're able to just jump right to the emotions, you would really get a look at who someone is pretty quickly. Exactly. And especially, and that's like what I think with some of our greatest musical artists and musicians, we can tell when an artist is being honest with us or not. We can tell when they're faking or when they're being true and they're, when they're being authentic. And um, that's, I think, what differentiates a musician from an artist is the artists is the ones who are really bearing their soul, who are being vulnerable up there on stage, like a Nina Simone or a John Coltrane. Mm. They're really expressing everything that there is and really going on an exploration and giving that experience to the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, you're very active in a lot of ways of enhancing lives with music, including humanitarian efforts and charitable boards that you serve on. And I know that on your website, the Musical Universe website, you talk about how the information and data from Musical Universe is used to improve health and well-being. You work with organizations in the shared mission to enhance lives through music, which you kind of had me at that sentence. (laughs) But tell us some more ways that this information and this data is used to improve health and well-being and enhance lives with music. Yeah, we're, that's where we're trying to always focus on and always ask the question of how is the data that we have and how is the research we're doing going to improve or enhance lives? And that looks in all different types of ways. Uh, but, you know, for one example, we just presented at a brain and science conference uh, several months ago, right before COVID, on some initial research showing the links between um, musical habits and being able to predict someone's mental health status. Hmm. And that's a, you know, a start to trying to understand the links between um, music and medicine and mental health. And one of the things that we're concerned with is, well, research, for example, shows that we have an understanding that if I play you, for example, a piece of ambient music, it will temporarily increase your ability to understand someone else's um, mental state and their emotional mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that in the long term, and we don't know necessarily how to do that in the long term to make a long-standing behavior change. So we're now looking into methods that can increase pro-social behavior and well-being in the long term and to understand this from a biological basis to see how it changes the brain. Mm-hmm. You also do quite a bit with autism research and trauma. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. Not together so much, but separately. Okay. And and autism. Yeah. So I'm currently an honorary research associate at Cambridge University at their Autism Research Center. 
and we do a lot of work on music and autism and the links between the two. And mm-hmm. it's fascinating because sometimes uh, there are artistic musicians who are unbelievable in their musical processing. It's otherworldly and sometimes beyond explanation, mm-hmm. um, which is why we want to explain it and mm-hmm. to understand it um, in terms of the brain. And so um, we look at that to see a autistic savants, um, how they're able to process music in such a speedy and beautiful way, mm-hmm. and also how music can be used as a, an effective therapy for both children and adults with autism, how it can increase language and verbal ability, increase communication, increase self-esteem, self-confidence, a sense of self. And so all of these things together, um, we're really trying to understand. And and really what I describe as to meet um, autistic people in the music. There's one study where I was conducting this year at Bar-Ilan University where there were autistic adults, very low language ability, and there was about 16 of them who would play a, a rhythmic, rhythmic musical intervention where they would become in sync and out of sync. This was with my colleagues, um, Professor Avi Gobloa and Dr. Ilanit Gordon. And at the music department, there was a one-way mirror. So I was able to watch these sessions unfold mm-hmm. um, while doing the research. And everybody was had these mics and we could measure the synchrony and we were measuring their saliva before and after. Mm-hmm. But it was incredible to see the transformations that each of these uh, really kind of remarkable individuals would have within the session where outside of the music room, maybe they wouldn't speak to you or look at you or talk to you, or maybe they wouldn't talk with each other. But in the music room themselves, when they had the drum in their hand, each of them had their own instrument, they would be looking at each other. They would be smiling Mm -hmm. at each other. Um, They would be, someone might be singing vocally. Someone might be playing the recorder and making movements up and down, swaying up and down. It was just so special. And to be able to mix that with the research to show what's happening in terms of hormone changes and what's happening in terms of behavioral synchrony is really unique and I think provides a pathway into the future of how music can be used in a way to make lives um, better for those who are autistic. Mm. Well, those are some great examples of Musical Universe's mission, which is to improve the impact of music on people and society. And when when people take your test, this personality test on your website, there are a few different places where the test taker is asked whether or not the data that they're providing can be used for research purposes. And it sounds like there's some great ways that that data is being applied to enhance lives with music. Yep, it's that's true. I, I would, um, and, and it's important for us to have that question up there. So we don't want to force anybody to have their data be used for research, even if it's de-identified and anonymized. Um, so everyone could do it if they want to voluntarily. 
Mm-hmm. Well, if listeners want to discover their traits, their personality traits, and what their musical taste says about their personality, go to Musical Universe's website and take the test. It's musicaluniverse.io. And there's a, there's a couple options. You start with the basic free test. And at the end of that test, if you want to, you have the choice of making a $25 do- donation to get the full interactive report with more information. So check it out. I'll also include links to Dr. Greenberg's personal website, davidmgreenberg.com and Twitter link and some other ways to get in touch with him. Well, Dr. Greenberg, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or a story to share with us today? So today, I'll, given the theme, I started with a story about my grandfather. I'll, I'll end with the story about my grandfather, um, which I think really shows powerfully the um, impact that music can have on someone's life. Um, and it's a, it'll take a few minutes, but I promise it's worth it. Mm. So when I was two weeks old, I was hospitalized in the intensive care unit with a a birth defect and kidney malfunction and sepsis. Mm. And, um, as, uh, recently the surgeon who I recently met said, I was not in good shape. (laughs) It was pretty bad. And um, and not to say how how must that must have been for my parents, which um, you know, thankfully yeah. we picked up on that. So they, growing up, my parents always told me this story. Now, keep in mind, my grandfather passed away when I was only five years old. But when I was in the hospital at two weeks old, there was uh, one day where my um, uh, where the nurses told my parents to they kind of like ordered them to go home and get some rest mm. after being in the hospital for days on end. And my grandfather, uh, my my father's father, uh, volunteered to stay with me during that day. He was a an electrical engineer and knew how to do, deal with the wirings and everything when I was hooked up in the ICU. And so he stayed with me during that day. And um, when my parents came back that evening, the nurses were very kind of emotional. And they told my parents, they said, you know, it was so beautiful the entire day you're... Um, you know, his grandfather was singing Hebrew songs to him. Mm. And my parents, they always told me the story growing up, uh, even after my grandfather passed. And I was always fascinated about this story. And, and I knew that there was something special and unique about it, but I didn't quite understand what. Fast forward years later, um, this is when I was 27 years old. I was having a kind of spiritual, emotional, personal awakening um, when I was in New York, and I had a song stuck in my head that I could not get out. Um, it type of the thing where like I'd be singing it and not even knowing it, and your friends would say like, "You realize you're singing that song again?" <laughs> wow. And yeah, and I would sing it over and over and over. It's like, why is this song stuck in my head? So uh, <laughs> one day after like months of this you know, having this earworm, I'm home at my, visiting my parents' house in New Jersey, and I'm looking through old videos, and um, home, old home videos, and there's this video that I had never seen before, and it was, uh, my grandfather was in it, 
And the video, in the video, he's holding me, and I was um, about a month, uh, a month old or a month and a half old. So I was just a few weeks out of the hospital. Mm. Um, you could even see the in my hair, like the my hair had been shaved because of where they were putting the IVs and things. Mm. But he's holding me, and then uh, so it's a few months out of the in this video, a few a few weeks out of the hospital. And he just, my dad's taking the video uh, with the camera and my grandfather looks up to the camera and says, do you want to hear David's favorite song? And my grandfather starts singing this song called Lachadodi to me, which is the very same song that I had been singing to myself uh, for those months. Ah, wow. Now, had you grown up with that song was it a familiar song or was it just the song that to you was kind of random and you didn't know where it came from i had never heard it before and I, I mean now I, I i sing it all the time but i had never heard it before and i what happened was there was um i had heard it in a synagogue that i was going to and it just like i heard it once in that synagogue and it latched on <sighs> and um i didn't know why or but there was something that was transmitted at such an early age and it stayed with me and even though it was dormant for 27 years it (laughs) it it awakened Wow. wow that's incredible so with all of your musical science psychology background what's your your take on that I'm still searching. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Do you know much about the song, what the song is about? So, Lachadodi, um, it's a song that's uh, sung every Friday night by Jewish people who bring in Shabbat. And its translation is loosely, come my beloved, come meet the bride. It's mm-hmm. welcoming this sense of peace and a like a covering and a, a sense of peace and wellness and contentment and you know i, I could imagine you know i was named after my grandfather's father and i know that my grandfather was so happy that i was named after him mm. and i could imagine you know i would try to put myself in like my grandfather's shoes and what he was thinking that he has this day and what he was trying to communicate to me through the music that maybe he wasn't speaking to me or, you know, because I didn't understand language, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm only sure. three weeks old. And the, the other interesting thing is, why would he say, do you want to hear David's favorite song? How would he know it's my favorite? If he was singing songs to me in the in the hospital, how does he know which one is my favorite? And so there must have been some way that I was reacting when he sang that song mm-hmm. that he knew that that was closely tied to me. So ah, that's very powerful. And you mentioned that he was an electrical engineer, not a professional quote, unquote, musician. Is that right? He was an electrical engineer. He wasn't a professional musician, but he loved opera. Uh, in fact, I think he was somewhat fluent in Italian from listening to opera. Mm-hmm. And through, I mean, I gave this story also about the electrical box, but there were so many other things throughout my life even just up until five years old that he kind of provided for me in terms of like an emotional uh, and spiritual connection that I take with me to this day. Um, I mean, he, even when I was, I think maybe a little bit older at four or five, he built a stage for me that lifted off maybe like half an inch off the ground um, that I would like pretend to put on musical performances. And so he was always in like different subtle ways I think he saw how much 
music meant to me and how much I was taken to music. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he followed it. And I think he relied on his intuition. And I think it, it shows you how powerful this thing we call music really can be and how much the bond between um, how much I could create a bond between two people that, you know, forever, this is going to go with me and God willing, I'll, you know, sing that same song to my children and my grandchildren and like a string through time, it will, it'll persist. And that's where I think we get into the realm where music in some ways, in many ways is much greater than us. You know, it's greater than us, um, individually, there's something that music does to bring us together in a way that sometimes we can't necessarily explain in words or even in science. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other part of the story is that the per- the surgeon who provided, who, who did the life-saving uh, surgery for me or procedure for me, um, himself, he was a musician. And mm-hmm. before he went and be- went to do his medical degree, he was a professional musician. And so his musical hands were the same ones that were doing the procedure. And I actually recently, several months ago, met him for the first time. Wow. And, um, we, like, you can guess what one of the first things that we did was um, we were <laughs> sharing our favorite music with each other. Um, <laughs> And, and the beautiful thing too, so he's, uh, his name is Dr. Minir Hanna, and he was born in Egypt. And um, so he's Egyptian. And he moved to the States um, when he was an adult to, um, to pursue the medical degree. And so in this really beautiful way, there's this crossing of cultures mm-hmm. um, where sometimes the cultural differences that divide us just get dissolved and dissipate. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually inspired me work that I'm doing now with a group called the Jerusalem Youth Chorus, which brings together Arab and Jewish teenagers from East and West Jerusalem to play music together and to sing together. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be in some of the rehearsals. And it's remarkable. It's, you know, regardless of what's happening in terms of politically or violence outside of their group, they'll be there singing each other's songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's remarkable. And that's where music is greater than us. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's greater than our daily lives. It's greater than our, like in Yiddish, we call it like mishigas, the things that we typically like think about or that bother us day to day, or even much larger issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that music opens a window into a different type of reality and coexistence that can be lived. And if only we can be in that space for a longer period of time, then I think it could really change the world. Ah, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Thank you. And boy, yeah, just some really powerful stories of the connection across cultures, across generations, across languages, uh, the power of a connection between a grandparent and a grandchild, even though your grandpa even only had five years with you. Wow. What an impact he made on your life. And also a powerful story too, about the impact of music, whether someone considers themselves a professional musician or not, music affects all of us and is a real powerful force. Absolutely. Thanks so much to Dr. Greenberg for sharing your expertise with us today and for those incredible stories of experiencing the power of music. 
As we mentioned, you can take the free test at Musical Universe's website, musicaluniverse.io. I was on a Delta flight last week. We took our daughter to college on the other end of the country, which, wow, lots of mixed emotions there. Uh, I don't usually watch movies on planes, but I decided to just check out what was available. And there was a film about Linda Ronstadt's life that I had never heard of. I did watch the film and it was excellent. I highly recommend it. Turns out it was just made in 2019. I'll include a link to the movie in the show notes, and I'll also include the movie trailer. Linda has strong ties to our guest on episode 41, Eugene Rodriguez of Los Ensoles. That's an organization that uses music to preserve Mexican heritage and culture. I didn't really realize how incredibly versatile and successful Ronstadt was in so many different genres. I became familiar with her work years ago because I'm a huge fan of Erin Neville and they did several incredible duets together. And actually, versatility is one thing I love about Erin Neville's work. He sang so many different genres so well that I've always felt that if I were stranded on a desert island with only one artist's music, I would choose his because he pretty much covers rhythm and blues, soul, jazz, rock, gospel, folk, reggae, pop, it, and he's amazing at all of it. And that is one way music enhanced my life this week. I'd love to hear about yours. You can connect with me on social media, email, or my website. All links and today's show notes can be found at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 57. There's also a link right in the show details in your podcast app. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.